0: I don't know if you've ever had a place in your life that was kind of like a sanctuary for you. Like, obviously, life can be kind of crazy and chaotic. And, uh, but, but for whatever reason, when you're in that place, like, everything's good. Like, it's just kind of calm. I don't know if it's like, for some people, I've known a bunch of people that, like, when they're on the golf course... That's like their sanctuary. People that they're on the boat fishing by themselves, that's their sanctuary. Maybe for you it was this little restaurant that you found or a little coffee shop. And it was like an amazing little secret that only you know about. And the people and the food and the vibe. And it was just great. Uh, But then the word got out and the crowds kind of ruined it. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Uh, but if you're a parent, maybe you've experienced this too because it happens a lot, right? Your whole life, like your bed is really that peaceful, kind of restful place. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and then you have kids and the peace and rest just go away forever. Like in the, uh, one day again, we'll have them. Uh, right now, my bed my, my, uh, my bed is the primary place that my 10-year-old and my 5-year-old want to wrestle with me, um, which tends to make, make my wife, Hansi, really happy that we just, you know, wrestle around on the bed. But we have a tendency to look around and to look for places and experiences that kind of, that give us a reprieve. That that give us some sort of peace in all of the chaos of life. In fact, people have always kind of associated peace with a place. And I'm going to explain what I mean in here in just a second. But but it's something that kind of dates back really as far back as the story of humanity goes. I mean, you you probably have a couple of places right now that you can think of that you're just like, man, if if I can get there, if I could just sit in my favorite corner of my favorite coffee shop with my favorite drink and just by myself and no little voices, nobody tagging, talking, you know, nobody talking to me, just complete anonymity and just headphones, like everything would just be better. We talked last week about the healing powers of coffee, and uh, anybody know any high-maintenance coffee drinkers? Like, okay, anybody, anybody just being willing to admit you are a high-maintenance coffee drinker? Okay, yeah, a few of us. See, confession's good for the soul. I like it. Or maybe for you, like, maybe for you that place is, is nature, a place where you think, like, if I could just take in that view or if I can just get there and just see that, you know, I can take a deep breath and, and everything would be Okay. For me, like uh, one of one of the places that's kind of that, that reprieve in my life has always been. I love movies and film, and so I love going to the movie theaters. I'm that weird guy that would go to the movies by themselves and and uh, sit by myself, and I'm totally happy. Like I don't need anybody. In fact, it's better. Nobody's talking to me. Nobody's asking questions. And you know, and uh, I remember one time I went to a movie, and it was just me and one other guy in the whole theater. And my wife later was like, did you guys sit together? I was like, no. Well, you were super weird, okay? I went by myself. I don't know what that's all, that's all about. Uh, but, but all of these places that we have, whatever your place is for you, right? They, they all work for a little while uh, until they don't or until the place gets tainted or torn down or just overrun and crowded or, 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 or until COVID hits and everything shuts down. Or, and when that happens, right? We go in search of the next place. And even the places, you know, in the current world, even the places that you can go right now that aren't shut down, it's just not the same. The truth is, this is a a really beautiful season. But one of the things that's difficult sometimes about it is that the different chapters that we experience in our lives. I mean, just think for a minute. Think about last Christmas. Last Christmas, you gave them your heart and the very next day... (laughs) they threw it away what a terrible christmas song that is to save me from this that's what i'm talking about i'm terrible at karaoke all right but i but think for a moment seriously about your life and your family like what's changed since last year maybe maybe nothing in your immediate family maybe tons for us even without covid a lot has changed in our family just in the span of one calendar year. And so think about the last three or or four or five Christmases. Probably like me, there have been some major shifts in your life. You've likely experienced some pretty amazing things in the last three to five years, moments that were full of joy and love and laughter. But the chances are that you've probably gone through some really difficult things, some some even painful moments as well, moments that you didn't expect and certainly moments that you wouldn't have chosen See, there's a lot of talk about peace this time of year. We we talk about it. We sing about it. We want to make it. We want to give it away. It's the center of commercials that are selling us diapers and candles and really old Coke commercials. But do we actually have any peace? I, I don't know what Christmas what this season is like for you. But for me, it's kind of a mixture of opposites. It's, there's the stress and joy, there's hope and despair and anticipation and anxiety and love and angst and build up and let down and peace and frenzy. And, and that's just on a personal level, right? In our culture, peace is in really, really, really short supply. And everyone is scratching and clawing and trying to find their way back to normal, whatever that is trying to find some sense of comfort and joy and hope to find some sort of peace in their life. And we're often tempted to think that that this is somehow a new thing that's happened in life, but it's not. I'm not a huge poetry guy, but I absolutely love Longfellow's poem called Christmas Bells. If you've never read it, you should go read it. I read it multiple times every Christmas. It's just so powerful. He actually wrote it towards the tail end of the Civil War when the outcome of what was going to happen was still very much in doubt. And this is just these are just a couple of little stanzas from the, from the poem. But this is what he said. He said, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old, familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat: peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. But hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. When you look around the world today, it's easy to feel that way, isn't it? Like, like th- th- That the good is just being drowned out by, the, vo- by the, the forces and voices and the chaos that are not for good. That, that, that peace is somehow this ideal, this pursuit that we all have, but it's this fragile thing and it's so easily lost and so easily drowned out by all the mess and all the chaos and all the craziness of our life. So, so what is it that we actually do? Because when I layer on the, the, the conflict and the strife in the world over the top of my already tired and striving and frantic and frazzled soul, life is anything but peaceful and from the beginning of human history people have thought of having peace as being at peace with god and the truth is lots of people even non-religious people still kind of think that way right like we say things like have you made your peace with god especially you know when 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 things are pretty serious and the thought is if god and i are good everything else will kind of fall into place and so that's why people wanted and still do want to know and understand and connect with and make sacrifices to God, and all in the search of, of peace. But where is he? And what does, that actually, where, what does that actually look like? The truth is that question and that tension have been haunting humanity for thousands of years. And so I want to take you back to a section of scripture that we read from last week. That's one of these prophecies that I alluded to when we were um, receiving communion. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9. Um, These words spoken about Jesus, really speaking about the coming of Jesus and about Christmas. So in Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to start reading the verse 1. It says this. says, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair, it will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, that it will be filled with Glory. And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will, re- will rejoice. And they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And like warriors who are dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian and the boots of the warriors and the uniforms that are bloodstained by war will all be burned and they will just be fuel for the fire for a child is born to us and a son is given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace that he will be called the Prince of Peace of peace. Now maybe you've been around church for a little while and you've heard those words so much that they've kind of lost the mat. Like they don't they don't move you like maybe they should. But the truth is that this scripture, this declaration, this prophecy, this description of who Jesus was and what he was doing and what he came to do, this is really good news no matter who you are this morning, no matter what you believe about God, whether you're a believer or a skeptic, whether you're a follower or a cynic, this is good news. And I love all the language and the descriptions that Isaiah uses because he talks a little bit. You know, he talks a little bit about certain things like people living in darkness. And that's one of the things we kind of talked about last week. And, and when we talked about the idea of hope, that there's this personal experience of darkness, that there's this restlessness in our soul, this loneliness. But that he also mentions that there's a land of deep darkness, that there's this mess of the world around us. But even in that, he kind of shifts and he goes, he starts using language and he talks about a life that's filled with glory, a life that's getting bigger and bigger and fuller and it's not shrinking away. He talks about the ending of violence and conflict and bloodshed and a new kingdom that brings life and freedom and peace. But why or how does that happen? And then he tells us, It happens because of someone who's coming. Someone who for us has come. The prince of peace. See, peace isn't found in a place. It's found in the person of Jesus. And like us, the people that this was spoken to, they grew up looking for places of peace and rest. Only theirs wasn't a coffee shop or a vacation spot. For them, the people that this was actually written to, for them, their place of peace and rest was the tabernacle, which was just a a portable temple where they went to worship. Later on, a more permanent temple would get built. But, but for most of their history, it was just a tabernacle. And, and when they went there, they went there because God, that's where God was. And the tabernacle was a place of peace. And that's why, that's why you went there to meet and to pray and to worship. In fact, as an ancient Jew, you felt peace just knowing that it was out there, just knowing that somewhere in your country in your land with your people was the tabernacle that you could go to. That was the place where God was. So every year, their years revolved around a series of pilgrimages and festivals and feasts that all took place where they would travel towards or look forward to and move towards the tabernacle for those moments. And those moments were life-giving and they, they helped ground people and sort of reorient them to a deeper, fuller life. See, no matter what you believe about God, that rhythm that I was just describing, that reality shouldn't be all that strange to us because you probably know people who talk about making you know, pilgrimages to special places that give them peace. You know, I, I know some people that are super into golfing, so they, they can't wait. Like they've been looking forward to going to Augusta National and go to the Masters. That's why people go to Cabo every year. Or they love Thanksgiving at Grandma's house. This is why people get Disney passes. Shout out to Disney or they take an annual Vegas trip or they go to that same spot at that same lake year after year after year what what, what do we do at these places right we get to, we we have a festival we feast we soak it in we reset we're looking we're looking for peace we take a break from the chaos in our life in an attempt to sort of reorient recalibrate our souls and ourselves so for generations and generations this is how it worked for the, the, the Jewish people, you lived your life, you did your work, you raised your family, you experienced all the ups and downs of life. And sometimes you lived like a saint and sometimes you lived like a sinner. But going to the tabernacle and making peace with God made everything okay. So then you could go back and re-engage the realities of your life and all of its challenges and struggles. And, and it's into one of those moments of challenge and struggle that Isaiah describes as darkness and despair, that God begins to point them towards a better system, towards something more beautiful, more deeper, more permanent, more profound. See, the message of Christmas is that God's intention towards you is to bring you peace, not judgment, not shame. He didn't come to straighten you out. He came to love you and to bring you to himself and to bring peace to your life. See, whatever it is that you've come to believe about God and his intentions and his actions towards you, whatever those who claim to speak on behalf of God had said, have said, if it's not that that he longs to bring you peace, you've been misled. In John chapter 1, verse 14, describing Jesus, it says it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father and He was full. Of grace and truth. Now, this is an incredible truth because it's connected to what we were just talking about in Isaiah and the whole tabernacle idea. See, because he says God became one of us and moved into our neighborhood. And here's the really cool part. See, when it says that he made his dwelling among us, the, 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 the words that were used there that get translated into English as that phrase, it actually is the same word that, that's used in the Old Testament for tabernacle. In other words, you don't have to search for, for the place of peace. The tabernacle, like the people that Isaiah was speaking to, God brought the place of peace to you, the tabernacle to you, and its name is Jesus. That's really good news of great joy for all of us. The Problem is, it doesn't always unfold like we think it will, right? Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, they were at the epicenter of his coming, But it didn't unfold anything like what they expected. In Luke chapter 2, these now really famous words that we all read one time a year. But this is the way Luke describes the events that were going on. He says, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census that was taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone returned to their own towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. So Joseph and Mary, they were getting comfortable. They're getting settled in. They've adjusted to the idea. You know, their, their lives had kind of been turned upside down with the whole like, Surprise, we're pregnant with God's baby thing. And they're adjusting to that idea. They're settling in in Nazareth, right? Can you imagine trying to explain that to your friends? She's pregnant, it's not mine. It's God's. Okay. But here's what I want you to get. They thought the place where they were, the physical place, Nazareth, was going to be the place where they experienced the coming of Jesus. They thought that was gonna be the place that they met the Messiah. They thought the place that they were in was the place that God would meet them, but it wasn't that place. They had adjusted to some of the uncertainty, right? They had made some preparations. I would imagine that they had everything ready for a baby to be born, but then they actually had to leave. And I don't know if you've actually experienced that or not, where where we, we, try, we, you know, we try to get to that special place, but if we can't get to that special place, then we start trying to control the place we're in and make the place we're in the place of peace. If we can just get settled enough and get things predictable enough and we can get a certain level of certainty going on here, then we'll have peace. We're settled and we we know what we know and we're comfortable with the arrangement that we have with God and and with the status quo. We're exactly where we want to be to experience Jesus. And we're going, this is the place. This is the way. This is how Christmas are going to come to me this year. The truth is there's always an Augustus, right? There's always somebody who messes with your life. There's always an unexpected census or an unexpected virus. And Unexpected stuff. And it might not be to that level all the time, but there's always things that we don't see coming. But here's the good news. Even when things don't go as planned, God has a plan. We may feel unstable. He's not. Life may be uncertain. He isn't. When our plans are falling apart, there's a good chance that his plan is falling into place. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just wish that God would like, I don't know, adopt my plan every once in a while. Like, hey God, I mean, I know it wasn't your idea, it's kind of my idea, but maybe think you could make it your idea. Like just, you know, incorporate that. By the way, I love that it describes Mary as obviously pregnant. That's helpful, isn't it? Don't you wish that all women who were pregnant were obviously pregnant? <laughs> Like, have you ever asked someone they're, when they're due and they're not pregnant? Yeah, I'm, okay, neither have I. Neither have I. I've never done that. Yeah, like, so I found this really helpful guide on when it's okay to ask a woman if she's pregnant. Take a look. There it is. <laughs> nope, just don't do it. So Mary is due any minute. She's ready to pop. Now they have to take a four-day journey to travel the 80 miles from where they are in Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so ladies, let me ask you, When those of you that have been pregnant and given birth, when you were good and pregnant, I'm talking like the miserable, get this baby out of me pregnant. Wouldn't it just have been fun to climb into a wagon for a bumpy four-day ride on a dirt road? That just sounds... Now, my wife has never been pregnant, but I'm imagining the journey to Bethlehem, and I'm thinking it probably didn't feel, let's say, very Christmassy. I doubt they were singing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. It just doesn't, it, 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 doesn't it sound like the, like the road trip from hell for everyone involved? But, but I, I want you to see this. All of that inconvenience and instability and uncertainty that was the path that led them to where they needed to be to experience Jesus. See, and that's, that's the experience so often we have with God. That's where God meets us, is in the middle of that instability, in the middle of the plan that we didn't, that didn't go how we thought it was gonna go, in the middle of the plan B or the plan C. See, God often uses the paths that we don't wanna travel, to actually lead us to himself and bring us peace. So you can trust God and then trust the path that you're on. Probably my favorite description of Christmas is found in Luke chapter one. There's a guy named Zechariah who was John the Baptist's daddy. And he and his wife were relatives of Mary, Jesus's mom. And with all the events surrounding the birth of his son, John, and with Mary being pregnant with Jesus, In Luke chapter one, Zechariah is overwhelmed by God and by God's love and he breaks out into a song and at the end of the song, these words are part of what he sang. Luke 1, 78 and 79 says, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the path of peace. See, the rising sun has come to us from heaven and he's come to bring you to himself and he's come to guide your feet into the path of peace. The question is, will we let him? Because sometimes the path of peace doesn't look like it. Most of the time, I'm just speak for myself, most of the time we look for an escape. The moment that God takes us in a direction that's uncomfortable or we don't like right? Sometimes when I read the story of Mary and Joseph, like I'm amazed because I think I, I, I go, if I was in that story, I'd be like, I, I don't know, God, like this is how it's going to be, right? Fine. I'm not going along anymore then. I don't want to do this. Forget Bethlehem. We ain't going to no Bethlehem. You can take your census, Augustus, and yeah. If I wasn't a God-fearing man, I'd say some crazy stuff right now. Like I would just be really worked up i be like, I'm staying here in Nazareth. I didn't sign up for Bethlehem, God. I didn't sign up for all this craziness and uncertainty. See, I, I think I would be like that because I've actually had moments like that. I've actually had moments like that this year. See, but, but Mary and Joseph's story is a declaration that your situation doesn't have to be peaceful for you to have peace in your situation. So trust God and trust the path. Because what, what if instead of low-key complaining, we just began to thank God for the uncertainty and the uncomfortable places because great stories have never been born from ease and comfort? What, what if instead of an easier path, God wants to give you and me stronger faith? What, what if instead of predictability and safety, God wants to give you greater courage? And grit? What if instead of making you more comfortable, God wants to give you unconquerable strength? What if instead of certainty and stability, He just wants to give you peace in the middle of a chaotic world? What if all the chaos and all the struggle, what if that's the context where we will experience the birth of Christ in us this year? See, we don't find lasting peace in places and predictability and those things that we often search, those places and experiences we often search for it in. It's only found in the person of Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. By the way, you can only give the world around you what you already have, you can only bring peace to the world around you if you've found peace. So follow the path that leads you to him. Because you don't don't need any other thing or any other place or any other experience. All you need is to connect to the one who's come for you. All you need is to connect with Jesus. So this week when you're feeling anxious, what if... What if like last week when we talked about that prayer at the end, what what if we began to pause and just pray, God, I don't need anything, anyone, or any place else. You're here in this place with me, and wherever you are, there is peace. What if every time you started feeling like, Oh, I don't know about so and so can't come or that that I don't know what's gonna happen for Christmas or I don't know if we can't or the, the business or I don't know what's gonna happen the masks and the, the shutdown orders and what's it the the people and the decisions and the COVID and I don't know ah. What if you just say like, oh, God I, I don't I don't I don't need anything or anyone or any place else You're here with me and you are the one that brings peace and so I'm going to step into and live in that peace this morning maybe the best thing that we can do this today regardless of where you are at in your experience, where you're at in your relationship with God is that we all just start with a simple prayer let's pray together